Welcome back. Good to have you. The Bill Michaels Show. We continue on. Uh, one thing we have not discussed too much, and I did want to get to this just before we, and I know it's a football Friday and such, but we have not talked a lot about Giannis and how he's kind of been outspoken this offseason about the urgency to win another championship, whether it's in Milwaukee or somewhere else. Um, he, he said it plainly. Uh, if Milwaukee is not in the business of championships, then he wants out. Now, he didn't say I want out of Milwaukee, he, but, but it, that's the intimation, okay? On the 48 Minutes podcast, uh, he was asked whether he sees himself playing the rest of his career in Milwaukee. He could have kind of thrown all that conjecture to the wind, and he didn't do that. He said, at the end of the day, I'm a winner. Uh, I want to be a winner. Contracts, fame, status, comfort zone does not matter to me. What matters to me at the end of the day is that the right uh, is that the thing right there, um, meaning the Larry O'Brien trophy that was behind him. That's what matters. And I don't want to be able to get stuck uh, in this lifetime to keep on talking about the same story. Oh, we went to game six in the NBA finals. We won. We were down 2-0. We came back. We won four games. I'm tired of hearing the same story over and over again. Okay. He continued, he said, I feel like people get stuck on that, which is unbelievable. It's great. I know people are excited. I know that we had not won a championship for 50 years, but at the end of the day, I want to create new memories. I want to win another championship. We talk about Hakeem Olajuwon uh, and company. He has two championships. The moment I win a second championship, then maybe I can be compared to Hakeem. Right now, I cannot be compared to Hakeem. He has two. I have one. Let me just say it. It's that simple as I can but at the end of the day, if the Milwaukee Bucks organization, which is the same thing I say every single year that I've been with the Bucks, as long as that we are in for a championship, as long as nobody's comfortable, as long as everybody's sacrificing the same amount of time and sweat and blood that I've sacrificed for the city to win a championship, we are all good. The moment I feel like people are complacent and they're okay, because at the end of the day, this is the NBA, you are taken care of. You stay in a five-star hotel. You eat the best food, lobsters. You go and drink wine. I don't drink, but you know. You get in a character. you on your plane on the 15th and the 1st. You get your paycheck. Everybody is comfortable. No, 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 no way, no way. By being comfortable, I cannot reach my full potential. As you guys have seen, every year I try to get better. Every year I try to get better. Every year. That's the approach I have for the game, and that's the approach I have for life. I don't want to be comfortable I want us to win another championship. But at the end of the day, I talk too much, and the game is then played. It's not talked. But as long as we play and we approach the game every single day the right way, we all sacrifice for the common goal, I can see myself being with the Milwaukee Bucks for the rest of my career. But the moment I feel like the people are not committed uh, to that golden thing in the back, I'm not. Uh, It's more the money. It's more than money. It's more than fame. It's more than the lobsters. It's more than the charter flights, private flights. For me, it's all about the trophy, and that's what I want. Now, the the Bucks don't have a lot of ability to move, okay? There has to come an understanding upon Giannis's part that at some point, they are going to have to make a decision to say we got to tear a few things down for a season to come back and build it back up. Because 
I hate it when players say it's not about the money, but they take Supermax. I hate it. It's a lie. It's a fabrication. It's You, you want to hear them say it's not about the money. If it's not, then why take the big contract? You're making $20 million a year just on shoes. So why take a Supermax? I, 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 that, that has always been and will always be a absolute, and I wish I could swear on the air, but it's a BS answer. It's a BS answer. If it's, if it's not about the money, then why'd you sign the Supermax? That's the next question. Then why'd you sign the Supermax? It's not about the money now because you got more money than God. You got $200 million. So that's my first argument. My second one is no team, no team can say, unless you draft everybody, okay, unless you draft everybody the same year, no team can sustain the exact same team and pay everybody the amount of money and lock in with no changes for two decades. You can't, it can't be done. So you're going to have success, and then you got to kind of tear it down and then you got to go have success again. Since Michael Jordan won that astounding mark of six, the consistency to be able to do that has not been there. I mean, Golden State's probably the closest that you could say would be there. And they've competed. They've had some injuries and such, and I understand that. But they've competed, and they've mixed and matched some pieces. They kind of keep that core together, but for the most part, they've had to mix and match pieces. Giannis wanted his guys. Giannis wanted Middleton. Giannis liked Drew Holiday. Giannis liked Brooke. He wanted his guys. And he watched them sign those contracts and then get older. So, on one hand, I, I, I am completely thrilled that he just says, hey, as long as we're trying to win and we know we're heading in the right direction and everybody's committed, damn it, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. That's You want to hear that. But on the other hand, don't tell me it's not about the money. Don't tell me that they're not striving to do the best because all they've done is, as a city, as a state, as a fan base, is build this giant pair of lips to kiss your ass to keep you happy. They they brought in your brother, brothers, to play when eh, they may not be as good as other players that are out there, but your family is here, your brothers are here, they're doing anything and everything they can to prove to you that they want to keep you happy. And, oh, by the way, they paid you a gob of money. And now when the team is completely cash-strapped and out of assets to be able to continually get better, they're just saying, hey, you just got to hang with us for a year or two because we, 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 you can't be great every year. So if he's, if he's not throwing the salvo at the, at the players in that locker room, let's say he's talking specifically to a, a group of players who just aren't working as hard. Maybe he's looking at Chris Middleton going, hey, dude, if you're not in there doing blood, sweat, and tears every damn day and trying to get better and trying to get on the court and trying to stay healthy, then I don't want to play with you. You know, maybe he's saying that. But I think this is kind of the salvo at, at the Bucks as an organization to say, you know, I, we're going to strive to be win a championship every year. Well, there are years that you can't. You just can't because of the finances involved. So... I always applaud a player that wants to strive and get better, and it's all about the championships. That's great. 
But don't tell me it's not about the lobsters. Don't tell me it's not about the private charters. Don't tell me it's not about the money. When you're the one, you are the one that picked up the pen and signed a Supermax. You're the one that took the money. So I don't want to hear it. And then you want the guys around you to get paid and keep the team together and, and bring in the guys that are going to get us the championship. And then when they did and everybody's locked in, you don't want to get rid of anybody. And now you're like, well, I can't believe we're not going to be that good. Well, look around. So it's what people want to hear, but you also have to look at it in a very business realistic light as a franchise to say, what have I done in this franchise that if, don't get me wrong, he's worth every penny, but it's the hypocrisy of the speech. So many players say it's not about the money. No, it's it's not about the money once you're paid. Once you got the money, it's not about the money anymore. But if it was not about the money, then why'd you sign the contract? Rogers said the same thing. Completely hypocritical. It is about the money. How much is too much? Money isn't money to them. Money is the R word, respect. And that's what bothers me about it. Well, I'm better than this guy. I'm better than that guy. Therefore, I should be paid more than them. But it's not about the money. I, you know, I've always found that a very a, a, a very big cop-out. So there you go. Uh, 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. If you want to give us a shout, please feel free. Go ahead and do so. Again, 877-867-1670. Uh, you can hit us up there. Um, let's see here. What else do we have? Uh, well, we got Mike Clements coming up here in just a couple of minutes, so stay tuned for that. So we're going to have, going to have, uh, going to have Mike here with us. Um, George says the Bucks starting five, not an elite five. They're too old. Add in the top reserves. I don't see another trip to the finals. Well, no, but I also, you know, you you look. I mean, Golden State's getting older. You know, Draymond obviously working out that deal. Um, you can look at some of the teams around. Boston was supposed to be a better team. They couldn't get over the hump. You had, you know, you got an up-and-comer in Memphis. If John Morant can stay clean, you know, you've got that youth and energy there. I don't know if they're ready to ascend and take that next step, but, you know, certainly a good basketball team. They're older in in Phoenix. Uh, there's no doubt about it. They're real old out in L.A., no doubt about that. You got Denver, obviously, uh, which is a very solid and younger team. So, you know, but but part of the article that CBS has written was that hey, if Giannis is talking about all of this right now, if you really now might be the time to trade him and get a ton of draft picks back. Not that I'm in favor of that, because I still think he's got the ability to be a a force and a a changer of organizations. But if this is what he's going to do and how he wants to operate and what he wants to say without the realization of, oh, by the way, it's easy to say that when you're sitting on the pile of money, then maybe it is time to trade them. I know? think this this rant and this kind of louder offseason from Giannis might be more directed at teammates, Bill. Just just a maybe hunch that is. I have. Yeah. I, I feel like maybe this is a shot across the bow of Drew Holiday or Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton took like all last season to get in shape. 
Yeah. And I like he was fine in the playoffs. He he can't defend anymore. He's lost a step. I I feel like Drew Holiday's pretty established. He's talked about wanting to retire at the end of this deal and being very confident in what he's accomplished. And I I, I just don't think that plays well with Giannis. I don't know what he'd have to say to the Bucks. The Bucks were the the number one seed last year. They're the hands on favorite, and they've spent. I looked it up this morning, Bill, because I thought this might come up. In the three seasons since the Bucks have won the title, they've spent fifty million, eighty three million, and fifty four million in salary cap money. So the Bucks are spending yeah. a ton of money even after they won the title. Right. I think this might be more about teammates. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm i hoping that's what it is, that he's kind of throwing these guys out there to say very quietly, hey, you better work as hard as I do. But I'll, let me also say this. It's one thing to say it in a podcast. It's another thing to call somebody and go, get your ass in the gym with me. Let's go. We are going to work hard. I mean, that's what Jordan used to do. And then he would bust you up in the gym to the point where guys would get pissed. But he made everybody around him better. So, I mean, I don't know if it's the front office. I don't know if it's the guys around him. But you can't, don't ever get into a discussion about wanting to win and then say it's not about the money when all offseason a couple of years ago was all about you signing a Supermax. That is the most lying BS hypocritical statement you can possibly make when you're sitting on a mountain of cash. So anyway, let's do this. Uh, Mike Clements is going to join us coming up next. Going to get back into Packers football for the next three segments. Mike will take you the rest of the way uh, with us. So hang in there. This portion of the program brought to you by our good friends over there is uh, we had mentioned a little bit earlier, Stoley's Hog Alley and the gang, good fish fries. And I wanted to make sure that I mentioned that because I don't know if I mentioned them. It's, I, I think I did because they have that that salted rye bread, which is so good for their fish fries, but they wanted me to remind you of that. So good stuff from our friends over there at Stoley's Hog Alley. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up right after this. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. What advice would you give somebody that you know that's window shopping? I'd have to say Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin plays at an MVP level in the replacement game. They came in ahead of time, measured all the windows, make sure they had all of the measurements. When the Pella people left, you had no idea they had been here. You just had the new window. They're great professionals, Gina, and some of the best in the world at what they do. Right now, pay as low as $19 a month per window or $75 per month on patio doors. Visit PellaWI.com today. Pella's team of expert installers start with an in-home consultation and finish with no hassle or mess, leaving nothing but perfect results that stand the test of time. Right now at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin, pay as low as $19 per window and $75 per month on patio doors. Visit PellaWI.com today. $6.99 APR for 120 months. Certain restrictions apply. See showroom for details. Offers end at 9-30-2023. Buckle up, it's all systems go at Pottawatomi. Plug in to high wattage play and you could win an all-electric BMW i7. Play now through September with your club card. Prize drawings on Thursdays. There's a shocking $800,000 in total prizes on the line, including the luxury BMW i7. It's time to electrify your drive. Only at Pottawatomi Casino Hotel. More info at paysbig.com slash BMW. Must be 21 years old and a club member to play. There's so much that we have to clean up, but it feels so good to clean it up when you win, you know. 
Like we're 2-0, and and I don't think that we've played at the level that we're all expecting to play at yet, but we're going to keep striving, we're going to keep working um, and make those corrections, but it feels good to do it with a win for sure. Welcome in. Good to have you. The Bill Michaels Show on this Friday. We continue on and glad to have you on board. Mike Clemens joining us uh, live up in Green Bay now. The words of Derek Carr there. Michael, how are things going up in Green Bay? Pretty good. Nice weather. I think it's going to be good for opening day, uh, you know, the first home game of the season on Sunday afternoon. Um, and, you know, Derek Carr is a guy that I, you know, I've told the story before where I watched the preseason football or during training camp that's on in the room when we're working on things for the next day's show and, and whatnot, editing and, and uh, going through the interviews. And uh, every once in a while you glance up, you look at the monitor, and I can't believe, I can't believe it's been 10 years. It seems more like five years ago. But uh, the Raiders uh, were kind of rebuilding. They had Matt Schaub in as a quarterback in from the Texans who'd actually beat the Packers one time and Mike McCarthy at Lambeau Field and a little bit of light snow. But, like, who's this number four kid? And then, you know, a couple of years later, you find out he's the quarterback that sort of made Devontae Adams at Friendship, uh, Fresno State State in college. And it's Derek Carr who just out won the, the job because of his passion, his energy, uh, leadership, uh, and, and as a quarterback. So yesterday, um, Derek Carr came out. And, Bill, I wanted to play a lot of this for you because – you know, Dennis Allen is kind of a, a tight guy as the head coach and defensive coordinator. And I and he brought back Derek Carr because the two had worked together with the Raiders. He brought him to New Orleans after some high bidding and, and fighting for him because uh, Carr was talking to two or three different teams at the Combine as well as, you know, the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes for the Jets. And uh, listen to how he taught. He shows up to this press conference yesterday with these raggedy sweatpants that he just cut off. <laughs> and and listen, this guy makes football laid back and easy and kind of fun. Here you go. did make these myself. <laughs> Can you tell? <laughs> were they? Uh-huh, they were sweats. Yeah, they were sweats. My wife gets mad at me, too, because sometimes I cut them a little too short. She's like, you can't wear those out. <laughs> so these were, she, approved, she approved these. She approved these ones. Sorry, Derek. Oh, you're good. What do you think? The late 70s, early 80s, uh, NBA short shorts with my back. I would wear them. <laughs> my wife would not be seen with me <laughs> if I did that, though. I want to ask you something. Uh, Taysom said something way back when about you that you throw a very catchable ball. Okay. Is that something that you are aware of, using different speed and torque on the different kinds of passes? I've always, um, you know, uh, you always try to throw the anticipation. When you throw the anticipation, you don't have to throw it 100 miles an hour. I, I tell people, especially young quarterbacks, all the time, I probably throw a ball, for me, hard, uh, like actually really try and rip one twice a game, once a game, twice. Besides that, it's all just smooth, and it's still pretty violent, you know, of a mo- motion, but I've always tried to just, you know, throw a very, you know, soft, catchable ball for guys, and then when you do have to drill one, then they kind of are alert that someone may be around, you know, um, and things like that. So I've always, I've always tried to, but it's not something now that I'm even conscious about when I'm playing. But are there different types of throws that require different oh, work yeah. and speed and yeah, whatever? Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's you know, some check downs that you, you know, just try and softly put it in the back's hand, you know. Especially sometimes backs and crossing routes, they can't see the ball, you know, coming out of your hand. And then you don't want to surprise them with a 100-mile-an-hour fastball. 
sure. and then it bounces up and things like that. So yeah, there's different throws, especially on the perimeter. You know, there's a time when guys are driving it, you're gonna have to drill it. But if it's kind of open, you can kind of just put a softball out there and let an easy catch for them. But yeah, it's it's something that you do naturally now. I, I honestly I don't think about it, but I I know that they they like it. You know, yeah. so uh, if they like it, I like it. Well, there you go. Um, it's, it's all about the touch. It's all about the feel. But then again. Uh, Mike, it's also his only second time ever for his longer career coming into Lambeau Field, right? Yeah, the first time was 2019. It's Lafleur's first season as the head coach, and it ended up being out a breakout day for the Packers' offense. That's the one where they're playing at Lambeau Field in, in October. Nice day. And finally, Rodgers started looking like the old Rodgers again. He threw five touchdown passes in the second half. John Gruden was the head coach then, and uh, they just ended up running all over him. I think the final was 42 to 24, and uh, the, the Raiders ended up 3-3. Three and three. The Packers went on to 6-1 and one with their new head coach, and you thought, ah, you know, Green Bay is, is on their way. And said, and yet, and, and also, you know, I know that he and Derek Carr have become friends, and Rodgers was kind of on the down low about it, but Derek would, did one of these sideline interviews after he just won a huge game on Sunday Night Football, and he says, yeah, I want to thank Aaron Rodgers for that kind message of encouragement he gave me just before the game. And you ask Rodgers about, oh, yeah, you know, whatever. But these guys, you know, they're both Northern California guys, and he played with Devontae. And so you ask Derek Carr, this is the passion that the guy's got for the game. When he was asked, does he remember about that one trip to Lambeau Field back in 2019? Oh, it's it's unbelievable. You know, I got to go and play there against you know a good friend, Aaron Rodgers. Like, and he's one of the best to ever do it. To walk in that building, see him run out of the tunnel. You know, all the history, the Super Bowl wins. You know, the the Hall of Famers. You know, you look up around the the stadium, you see the names, and you uh, you know just the atmosphere that that they've created there is really unbelievable. So historic. Uh, I was just talking to Zach about you know just the history of that place. You know, it's a really cool place to go. Uh, my, my, my kids are even like excited because I've been talking to them about how cool the stadium is and how awesome the traditions are and that stuff. So uh, they're, they're all excited about it. So it's something that's, especially with the way their organization set up, it's generational, you know? Like there's families that have been generations of Packer fans and same seats and live, like you literally drive through the neighborhood before you pop up and there's the stadium, you know? And uh, it's just, it's, it's a really cool place to play and uh, I'm excited to go out there and compete. Mike, uh, they also come into town with one of the better defenses in the National Football League as well. So Packers offensively, looks like they're going to get Christian Watson back. You're kind of knocking on wood that Aaron Jones is back as well. They're going to need the full complement to knock off this very solid defense. Yeah, and, you know, going back to like the last past 11 games back to last season, the Saints defense is one of the – allows the fewest points scored on them. They're just in your face – and there's, you know, three reasons why. Like, you know, Cam Jordan, a defensive end with the pass rush. You got Marshawn Lattimore, who's a tough physical corner. And even a veteran, you know, like the honey badger, Tyran Matthew, back there at safety. And Matt LaFleur talked about what he saw on tape on the Saints' defense so far. Physical, aggressive, very sound. They're going to challenge you on all three levels. Uh, Demario Davis is a is a game record, Cam Jordan. They got guys at, at all at every level, and they've got complementary pieces around them. Obviously, Lattimore, uh, Honey Badger. I mean, they got a ton of players on that defense, and they challenge you. They are going to 
told their guys on the perimeter they're going to grab and hold and, and that's what they do but they play aggressive and you got to be very fundamentally sound up front you got to do a great job of coming off the ball and playing with great pad level because they are a physical bunch and they play with extreme effort and when you get effort plus scheme plus talent you have one of the best defenses in the national football league they do. Uh, they got one of the better defenses that are out there. They fly to the football, Mike. I was watching some of their film. They tackle extremely well. They don't have a lot of, a lot of broken tackles. And uh, you, you give credit to the defensive coordinator and the mentality set by the head coach, man. And, you know, you've talked about this, Bill, in terms of the Packers' defense and their corners. Like, how come Rasul's more of like a, you know, a physical guy and Jair's more like a, a speed guy? Because it seems like Dennis Allen – gets both of those things out of his secondary. And so he was asked about that yesterday, about how, how is it that your guys, like on Monday Night Football against Bryce Young, very mobile quarterback, you guys can play zone, but you can also play press man-to-man coverage so well. You know, we just kind of do what we do. We find guys that we feel like fit our system and, and, and the way that we like to play defense. Um, I think our personnel guys have done a, done a really good job of identifying guys that kind of fit that mold. I think our assistant coaches have, you know, bought into the scheme and the culture and uh, are doing a good job of teaching it. And I think our players are doing an outstanding job of really fully understanding what we do and why we do what we do. And I think that's probably uh, the biggest factor is, you know, I think when you can when you can teach a player as to why you're doing what you're doing and they can understand the whys, I think it just allows them to you know, really perform a lot better. When you play a mobile quarterback like you did last night, do you end up playing a little more zone just to keep eyes on the quarterback, or is that not part of it? No, I, yeah, I think there's, I think there's some, some uh, elements of that that you know are, are factors. Um, you know, obviously, look on the big, on the long scramble, we were in, we were in man-to-man coverage on that one. The quarterback got out on us, we missed the tackle, and it became the longest play of the night. So there's a lot of factors that go into playing what you play, and yet. I'm not a big believer in playing a ton of just drop back into, you know, Harry High School cover three and let them throw the ball to open guys underneath all game long either. I think there's a there's a there's a mix and match to that. Uh, Mike, um, and I understand that. I understand what, exactly what he's talking about. I, I know that there's uh, in Green Bay. They're, you know, obviously coming back at one and one, a game that they should have won, a game that they had in their grasp, and they ended up letting slip away. So there's a different mentality. Uh, but the one thing's kind of interesting when it talks about the team leaders and what you're drawing on and who's stepping up in locker rooms and such, right? Because they're kind of, st- it's really a weird thing that because every team has announced their captains and starters and all that stuff. Packers are still kind of searching, right? Yeah, they usually do that the last week of training camp, or at least after they get to the 53-man roster. You know, you take a vote and you identify who your captains are. And I think Matt LaFleur's pushing some buttons here. Because we asked him, gee, it's week three of the season. You still haven't announced who the team captains are yet? Every every year's a little bit different. And I think whether you're wearing a C on your chest, if you're a captain, you're a captain. That just doesn't leave when you when you take your jersey off. So I wanted our guys to kind of go through the initial part of the season, then we'd reevaluate. And we're going with game captains because I think we do have a lot of great leaders. And I also want to see who's going to step up when if we hit some adversity, when we've had a loss, and who are going to be the leaders that kind of rise to the top during the tough times. That's interesting. It's kind of like you're dangling that carrot out there, but you don't really know. I mean, I guess if I'm a team, 
captain or something, it's kind of cool. But it's kind of weird that they haven't announced that yet because most of the time the players vote on that, right, Mike? Yeah, I I think he's trying to send a message to the locker room. Like, I don't see any leaders here yet. Interesting stuff. Let's do this. We're going to step away. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. Mike Clemens uh, on the phone with us as we sit here and we discuss the uh, Green Bay Packers and the New Orleans Saints coming up this weekend at Lambeau Field. Hang in there. we got a lot more of the Bill Michael Show. It's all coming up right after this. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Elton Jenkins and Christian Watson did not practice. Rashawn Gary, Lucas Van Ness, and Aaron Jones were limited. Did uh, Christian have a setback after yesterday's practice? I knew that was going to be the first question. No, that's part of the plan. It was He ran a couple days in a row and was to give him a day of rest, and we'll see how he looks tomorrow. Welcome back. Matt LaFleur giving us the injury update. Uh, so, Mike, I, I guess the David Bakhtiari thing, I – we're kind of past that now. Now it's just a game-time decision every week, and we'll just wait and see if he is or isn't on the field. But the rest of these guys, Christian Watson, Aaron Jones, even Lucas Van Ness to a certain extent, but the, offensively speaking, they're going to need those guys. So uh, it looks as if they're going to be on the field, correct? I don't know. I'd say it's questionable right now. We're kind of waiting for LaFleur to come in to do a press conference here in about 15 minutes. I just want to quickly review this because this show did such a good job of kind of covering this story, but we're out there Sunday morning in Atlanta, and suddenly Bakhtiari's inactive. And you have no clue because the guy hasn't doesn't practice anymore. He hasn't practiced in a month. And then after the game, uh, and, and the next day, Matt LaFleur's asked about the David Bakhtiari situation. Here you go. Uh, Bakhtiari, was that uh, a turf? You're going to, no. I, don't, I, I mean, we all know that Dave's been dealing with this, and so, no. So could this be a thing where he doesn't play any? Uh, you guys, I, I'm not going to get into that. This is two years now. I'm not going to get into it. It's probably going to be like this from here on out. Just to clarify, is this a... I'm not talking about it. That's it. That's, just to clarify, I'm done talking about it. I'm not, I'm not talking about it. So for the listeners uh, that have been saying, what's that, what was that thing all about this week? Quickly recapping, Aaron Rodgers goes down, season-ending torn Achilles on turf at MetLife. Bakhtiari makes some strong statements about why do we still have turf in these NFL stadiums. Then he's not playing on Sunday, which they happen to be at a field with turf. And then his brother, Eric, a former NFL linebacker, tweets out, there there you go, NFL, which only kind of gets this stirred. So we mm-hmm. asked Bakhtiari, okay, what is this thing about maybe this was in protest to playing on turf? And here's what Bakhtiari told us. Yeah, uh, if I wasn't going to play on turf, I'd probably make more of a ruckus. Um, my brother loves drama, and he told me he was going to do it. I'm like, go right ahead, I don't give a shit. Like, I don't care what you do. Like, it's your social media, and no, that was not the reason at all. Uh, I would, if it was going to be, it'd be something, it would definitely be something different, but no, I mean, I clearly have an injury that's been, I've been dealing with, and I think that like a lot of just journalism, I think anyone here, that did run with the story, Bob. I don't know if you did or didn't. Well, anyone who did should definitely make sure to right wrongs, because if you don't, then is that really journalism? If it's only just a hot topic or the lowest hanging fruit? Well, we did give him credit for coming out and saying I wouldn't leave my guys hang out to dry. He cleared it up. It's kind of a non-story now. It was just weird 
the way it was handled up until that point. I got to think that the head coach, though, he's not only sick of talking about the injury update, but he, the, David Bakhtiari didn't do himself any favors by letting his brother tweet out some nonsense as right. well to let it hang there. I mean, when LaFleur says he's tired of talking about this, he's tired of talking about it. What we did learn, though, was this. Bakhtiari's been open at times about the four surgeries over two years, fluids being drained, and inflammation. But when I asked him, just how much pain are you dealing with? This guy is dealing with a tremendous amount of pain just to get back on the field. Here's what he told us. I mean, debilitating enough to not play in a football game, I think is that's the proper answer. I think if, if I could, or if it's just something but not en enough, I mean, I would suit up and go play. I don't, like I said, I, there's, when it comes to, like, my career and everything, like, you think with what I've done I want to not play? I think anyone that alludes to that, I think that's, that's funny. But, like, for me, like, it, it's pretty devastating. I think every game that goes by, so I'm not getting any younger. And, you know, what I want for my own personal self, as, along with what I want to give to this franchise, like, it's, it's tough. Uh, I, Mike, and as I said, when David spoke on Wednesday, I, I thought uh, going into that, I said, this is what I want to hear from him. And I heard exactly what I wanted to hear and more in a lot of brutal honesty about the knee and about how he wants to play and about how he's not going to leave his guys hang there while he does some kind of goofy protest. And so it was everything. It was everything you really wanted. And he is going to be a guy they're going to have to manage. In the meantime, they're going to have to kind of figure things out offensively uh, and be able to put a few more points on the board, specifically against a pretty solid defensive team coming into town this weekend. And we were talking earlier about Romeo Dobbs and about the watching the wide receivers. I had a question that was asked to me about route running. And I said, the one thing that I've noticed with these guys, you know, some of the younger guys, Jaden Reed, he's got to get, uh, you know, as far as the hand checking and stuff downfield goes, and I watch, he's got to get used to that. But these guys are pretty good at running routes and knowing where they're supposed to be and when they're supposed to be there. And that's been kind of impressive so far. And it comes to the head coach, and Matt LaFleur. In his first year in the OTAs, uh, Matt LaFleur, would, he wouldn't play head coach. He played whatever was needed. He would run across the field and say, no, no, no. That's the, he would go like to this tight end and say, no, no, no. You turn here, then you take your second step. You don't put your hands up until here. Then you don't start looking for the ball until at this step. Everything had to be precision and based. And the guy he was talking to was Jimmy Graham. You know, a guy was on his third NFL team. Lafleur will take, you know, will will not take any nonsense when it comes to not only the footwork of the quarterback, but the timing of the route and what the how the receiver is supposed to carry that out. So I talked to Samori Torre, who's in his second year, and I said, "So how strict is is Matt Lafleur on route running and timing with the quarterback?" Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like a mix of things because he does, you know, have a certain way of how he envisions the play to look kind of like you said it's always about getting open on time you know being where you're supposed to be at the right time it doesn't matter if you're where you're supposed to be too early or too late it messes up the timing with the quarterback so there's a lot of details when it comes to route running in our offense but at the same time he does let us kind of add our not I wouldn't say add our own flavor to it but he lets us be our own receivers he understands that not every receiver is going to run a route the same because we have different strengths and different weaknesses so he still lets us kind of like play our own game but at the same time at the end of the day we've got to be in the right spot at the right time and just be able to make plays which you know as long as they're running the route properly and they're where it, where if you're where you're supposed to be at that moment in time getting from point a to point b is not terrible unless you're not running 
a crisp route. You're running a curved route or what have you and still keeping defenders kind of dragging along from behind. But no, I I I don't have a problem with that from what I from what I hear from Samari Torre. And in terms of the long to-do list with LaFleur, this is why he's got time for like Bakhtiari crap and tweets on a Sunday night after the game because he's not only got to coach up three or four rookie receivers or one-year receivers, he's got to coach up the tight ends. Musgrave, total rookie, right? You know, Tucker Craft, total rookie. And so he's got all these guys that he's trying to get into the rhythm to help out Jordan Love, who's is his first year as the starter of the quarterback. And I talked to Sean Clifford, the backup quarterback, about how LaFleur then installs these game plans. I uh, I have a lot of respect for Matt and the way he approaches the game because I know how hard he works on it. And it's little things, too, that where you know that how, how much time he puts in. Like, he'll be doing a play, and it's literally it's, it's Wednesday, our first day back, and he just finished the game plan. And... Off, like everybody, he might have a concept up there, and he's like, "This is out of swamp, right?" Blah 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 blah. And he already knows the whole game plan inside and out. And it's Wednesday, right? And, I, and I'm trying to cram, 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 so that way I'm ready for Sunday. And it's Wednesday, and he's just so dialed in all the time on the littlest details, the minute details. So no, it's not a surprise to me at all, just because I I know what type of person he is and how he, how he's kind of wired. It's. Uh, I will say one thing, Mike. It's been interesting to watch uh, Jordan Love throw the football and just trust the guys he's throwing to as opposed to what we've been talking about the last few years where it's always been about the rapport and about the development of trust. It, it seems like things are pretty good in that area right now. And Love has had three years to train and watch and learn, and that's why right now he's got the best QBR in the league at 118 and six touchdowns and no interceptions. Hope you can keep it that way. But I asked LaFleur, remember he was a quarterback at Saginaw Valley State throwing touchdowns to Ravel Martin, former Packers mm-hmm. wide receiver. Right. And I said, where did you learn the, the strict importance of the timing, not, for the, not only for the receivers and where their eyes are and when their hands come up and, and when you make the cut, but also for the quarterback and his footwork? I would say that kind of got instilled in me when I was playing football. Um, in college, we made a big emphasis on it. Uh, my my college coach, our offensive coordinator, Jim Kiernan, would, was always on us about our footwork. And then, you know, I always kind of taught that when I was coaching, whether it was a D2 ball or wherever. And then when you get around guys in the NFL, like Gary Kubiak and Kyle Shanahan, and the emphasis that they put on it, we used to have to write up the this, we called it the quarterback pack. So each play had... This, I mean, a paragraph of just the footwork, how you're going to progress through the read, what you like the plays for, what what is bad against, um, and that. So you know, you just kind of really detail up all your pass concepts, and then getting with Coach Mike Shanahan in Washington, you, you can tell like all these guys, and I, I I don't know where it stems back. It was probably Bill Walsh, I'm guessing, and the emphasis that he always put on it, and obviously. Both Coob and, and Coach Shanahan work for Bill Walsh, and yeah, I think it's the foundation for great quarterback play. If if you don't have good footwork, it's it's hard to play the position. I think just guys that can, and it helps you avoid negative plays. If you have the timing down and you know, hey, on one hitch I should throw it here, and if I get to my second hitch, I better get to my check down. It avoids holding on to the ball too long, and now. 
granted. There's a natural feel that you have to have, within, especially in the pocket, of when you have more time and you don't have to be, you know, stick to that quarterback pack that you can kind of feel and, and just play. But yeah, it's something that we really stress, I would say, especially in the off season. Once you get to the season, I don't want to say it's less emphasized, but uh, it's, it's a way to hold and just hold the quarterbacks accountable in terms of the true timing of the play. Let's do this. We'll step out. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll wrap it up. Mike Clemens joining us uh, on the hotline from Green Bay, talking about everything that is the Green Bay Packers coming up this weekend at Lambeau Field, where they're going to be facing the New Orleans Saints. Stick around. we got one more to go. Hang in there. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. What advice would you give somebody that you know that's window shopping? I'd have to say Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin plays at an MVP level in the replacement game. They came in ahead of time, measured all the windows, make sure they had all of the measurements. When the Pella people left, you had no idea they had been here. You just had the new window. They're great professionals, Gina, and some of the best in the world at what they do. Right now, pay as low as $19 a month per window or $75 per month on patio doors. Visit PellaWI.com today. Pella's team of expert installers start with an in-home consultation and finish with no hassle or mess, leaving nothing but perfect results that stand the test of time. Right now at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin, pay as low as $19 per window and $75 per month on patio doors. Visit PellaWI.com today. $6.99 $6.99 APR for 120 months. Certain restrictions apply. See showroom for details. Offers end at 9 2023. I think it means a lot, but then again, it doesn't matter. I mean, you can be, have a home and get booed. It doesn't matter, honestly. It, whatever, however you come out, you come out flat, you're going to be flat no matter if you're at home or where you got to come out striking. Welcome back. Keyshawn Nixon. Doesn't matter what you do. You can come out and play bad. You're going to get booed. No big deal. Uh, defense got to play a lot better. They were going to get booed off the field, no doubt. Uh, they gave up far too many rushing yards, 211 to be exact, against Atlanta this past weekend. Now you've got a pretty good team. More of an aerial attack coming to town because they're depleted at the uh, the running back position. But here come the, the New Orleans Saints. So, Mike, uh, the Joe Barry defense uh, this time, instead of uh, trying to face a really good runner like B. John Robinson, they're going to face a, a triple and even quadruple threat when it comes to aerial attacks, you know? Yeah, but here's the one thing. So, uh, Alvin Kamara still serving a suspension for uh, getting into a fight with a guy caught on tape in Vegas. Jamal Williams, former Packers running back, a couple of years stint with the Lions and now at the Saints, out with a hamstring. And on Monday Night Football, they elevated a running back, a kid named Tony Jones Jr., who did pretty good. I mean, he scored two touchdowns in the red zone and also did a good job of pass protection. So he came up from the practice squad and got him through, Look for him on Sunday. But, you know, I said to, to Joe Barry last night, gosh, you know, when the Falcons went empty backfield and five wide, they, they couldn't complete a pass on one series. They went like five and out. There was a penalty on there. But when they went back to play action and they put Robinson back in there, that great new running back they've got, they just they churned you guys three or four series in a row to score. What happened with that, Joe? Are you talking about empty or are you talking about? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, no, we didn't, we didn't do a good enough job stopping the run all day. 
Um, but I think when you play against any team, but when you play against a team like that, um, that was having success run the ball specifically, I think when you get in situations and you get in opportunities where you can get off the field, where you do have an opportunity to, you know, we, we had a couple interception opportunities that we missed. Those, those are huge as the game goes on because those are, those are the one was going to be huge, huge field position for us from an offensive perspective. Um, the other one, I mean, there's not a doubt in my mind that if Jock catches that, he, he scores. Mike, uh, obviously a, a, a game, big game kind of coming up for Jordan Love to do well in front of the hometown fans. It's the first time we don't have a Hall of Fame quarterback running out of the tunnel as the permanent starter. So, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I guess the question then becomes, how big of a game is this for Green Bay? And then secondly, you know, with all the uh, the possibilities of injuries and such, how tough is it to play week in and week out not knowing who's actually going to be there? Well, you want to win your home games and try and win at least half the ones where you're on the road. So you can excuse them for that in the Falcons. By the way, that's Joe Barry saying, hey, look, I got Quay Walker in position. He dropped an interception. I got Jair in position. Mm-hmm. He dropped the one he couldn't take in the house. That's 14 points. So that's how he's covering his backside. Right. In terms of the strategy into this game, do you use Christian Watson, a wide receiver, or Aaron Jones, Sunday against the Saints, or do you hold them for the divisional game coming next Thursday night here at Lambeau Field against the Lions? And right. when you asked the LaFleur that question about 10 minutes ago, he said, you'll have to wait until Sunday to find out. <laughs> always cryptic. Mike, great stuff as always. I'll see you at Lambeau Field, pal. Thank you, Bill. All right, buddy. There you go. That's our guy, Mike Clemens, joining us for a couple of minutes, wrapping things up. Good to have it on board today. We made it through the week. Not a bad way to go. What's uh, what's the weekend looking like for you there, Grant Bills? I'm going to be lazy. Girlfriend's out of town. I'm going to lay around and watch a lot of football. There you go. Pretty simple. I got dinner tonight. I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. And then I'll uh, see everybody in Green Bay. And at Burkles, Burkles, one block over, Burkles. We're going to be there for the Green Gold postgame show coming up on Sunday. So it's time for us to get out of here. We will see you in Green Bay on Sunday. Until then, time for us to go. Have a go. Poop.